Turn to your neighbor and say, you look better with a little praise smeared on your face. So what does it take to get you to walk consistently in the Lord? What does it take for you to proclaim to be a Christian and still use foul language? What does it take for that to stop? What does it take? Because Peter is a brutal rider. He's riding because the church in his day has been dispersed. I'll talk more from the book of Peter, the writings of Peter tonight. But he's writing to a church that, hey, every known law enforcement officer came against the early church. They threatened them. They burned them at stakes. They ridiculed them. They crucified them. They sliced their head off. They put dogs on them. They turned them into into the lions and the arena and everything. And what happened, it caused the church to say, we can't take that pressure. But what they did not know is in the scattering, I called the word dispersed, but in the scattering of the church, there's one thing that they took with them, and it was the gospel of Jesus Christ. In other words, the enemy might be able to kill them, but he couldn't stop the message. So God's agenda said, all right, you're going to run to places that you've never gone before, and you're going to run endeavoring to save your life, but at the same time, you're going to run and you're going to carry the gospel message. You see, may I suggest to you that when you become a bona fide believer, your life changes. And that is, that's the greatest testament, your life changes. You can say, well, I'm a Christian, and there's nothing changed in your life. Come back to the altar. Come back to the altar. Well, why are you saying that? Let me give you a simple deal. If you touch a 220-volt outlet, which is what most clothes dryers have, don't do it. But if you do, your life for that moment will forever change. Your lips will contort in ways you never thought possible. Your ears will wiggle in ways you never thought possible. Fire will shoot out your nose and out your toes because you got a 220 volt of electricity. When you redeem, and Jesus redeems you, you will change. Okay. How many of you remember when you first got saved? That's somebody say, what does that mean? I didn't need to get saved from anything. Yeah, you did. Hell. Hell. He redeemed you from hell. That's where you were headed according to the devil's agenda. But Jesus stepped in and said, by my nail-scarred hand, you don't have to go to hell. You can choose to go to heaven. Amen. I choose you. I choose you, but you can choose me. So Peter in his writings re- relates to that, that scattered church. But he is a, uh, he's, he's sometimes brutal. On one minute, he's as gentle as a lamb, and then the next minute, he's as forceful as a lion. And in his writings, he says, hey, you can be whatever you want to be in Christ Jesus. So let's try this out. If you remember when you first got saved, How's that passion, that passion to say, man, I just need to be in church, that passion. I just need to get in the Word, that passion. I have a couple of young couples that's 
that's new to everything. They, they came out of, the, um, uh, out of the, I think, the Lutheran church. And they're here now. And, and I, I'm telling you, every, I can preach and I see them with their Bible with a highlighter and they are highlighting everything, taking copious notes. They don't want to miss anything. They want to know everything there is to know about serving God. Well, isn't that what a contagious Christian ought to be like? Some of you looking for your highlighter right now. You didn't bring it. So Peter says, all right, if this is where you are, on the needle of the clock, in the needle, you know, how straight up is it? And how much does it need to move to create change in you? The most miserable person in the world is a professing Christian that's not living the life. Not living the life. You are miserable. I'm just telling you, Peter's, Peter's preaching it. This is a straight up holiness message out of the writings of Peter. How many of you remember the old Burger King commercial that says, I can have it my way? I can have it my way. I can have it my way. And you know what God says? You sure can. You can have it your way. You can live like a hellion. You can live like a reprobate. You can be stubborn. You can be hard-hearted, hard-headed. You can live your life the way you want to. And you can step over here a little bit and get you a, a little bit of religion. And you can salve your conscience a little bit. A lot of people have. And you can take a slippery slope very subtly right down into the pit of hell. That's what he said. Because he said, I give you a choice. You choose. You make up your mind how you want to live. And then he says, when you become a believer, you can be a believer that say, hey, you know, just a little dab will do you. A little dab will do you. Make you feel better about yourself. You know, you can just kind of, you know, kind of rock along, but you can still do all the things that you want to do. I mean, after all, look at the culture in which we live in today. Many in the church culture said, I'm going to do what I want to do. And we emulate the culture in which we live. Matter of fact, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you, there's a, in just a moment, there's an article that Dr. Fisher, Maury Fisher, an orthopedic surgeon on our church board. He gave to the church board the other night in a devotional last Wednesday night before church. And he said, I was raised a Jew. I was a Jewish boy. He said, but when I got saved, I, I had to make sense intellectually for me. And he said, and, and I, I, I understood, but when I got saved, it was like daylight and dark. As a Jew, I'm not supposed to believe that Jesus is the Messiah resident right here and right now. As a Jew, I'm still waiting on him. He said, but I found out you can have him in the here and now. And he said, when I got saved back in medical school, he said, you know, we lived one way. We, we lived one way. I was taught, it's all new to me. We live one way. He said, but over the years, I've watched the culture of the church change. I've watched the way people 
we're supposed to live, the dedication of the pioneers of Christianity and the love of God. And I, I've, watched, I've watched many individuals make church fit into their lifestyle. And so he writes this article, and he reads it right to the board. He said, what's changed? And why? So here's what Jesus said. I don't want part of you. I want all of you. Amen. And, and if you want me, he said, salvation is free because I paid for it. But he said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to deny yourself. I don't want to be number two. Your kids are not number one in your life. You might love them, and you should. God bless you. But Jesus Christ, if you profess him, he is number one. Amen. And he said, and there'll be none other. Don't build little idols around your life and discount me. I'm not second. If I'm going to be in your life, I'm going to be number one. But here's the deal. Here's what he said. You can have all of me that you want. But he said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to deny yourself and take up your cross. Why did he say deny yourself and take up your cross? This is the preamble of the message. He said, because you will never take up your cross the way you should until you deny yourself. My grandson over here, Grant, is a Marine, home for a couple of days, goes back today. But I got to tell you, his commanders, he doesn't tell them what to do. If he does, I promise you, he will regret it for a period of time. He will. Why? Because it's yes, sir. If that's what you want me to do, drop and give you 20, I'll give you 20. You want me to run 10 miles on a dime, I'll run 10 miles. Yes, sir, whatever you want me to do. He doesn't control his own life. He doesn't know where he's going from one week to the next. You know why? Because Uncle Sam is his boss. You understand? So here's what God says. I love you enough to give you a choice. So here's point one number one. I can have it my way. Say that with me. I can have it my way. So here we go as we take a look at the scripture. So if you're taking notes, here it is. 2 Peter 1 verse 3. His divine power, talking about God's divine power, has given us everything, everything that we need for life and godliness through our knowledge, our understanding of him who called us, who called us by his own glory and goodness. And he quickly focuses on the very important point. He says, you build your life not on culture. You get your lead not from the media. You get your basic principles not from the library. He said, you build your life on only one foundation, and that is Jesus Christ, him crucified, who is the Son of God. There is no other foundation, none. You build on that foundation. Why? Because he said, when you are on that foundation, you can live and will live victoriously you will still exalt God in the valley. When you're tempted, you'll still say, Satan, get behind me. When you are the minority in a bunch of heathens and your anointing is from God, God said, I will raise you up and let individuals see the good in you and the glory of God. And he said, all things that are necessary for the cost have been paid by Jesus Christ, the Son of God. 
when I say I'm on my foundation. How many have ever said, if I can only get home, I'll be okay? Hello? I can only get home, I'll be okay. I'm ready to go. If I can get home, and, and what else do you say? If I can only get home and get in my bed, not bed, my bed, my bed. Here's what he says. So the enemy will rock your world from saying, you're to build on that foundation, and he'll create frustration. You think God didn't answer prayer, and look where I'm at, and et cetera, or a loss of purpose, meaning that you've been misdirected because it's really easy unless you are absolute committed to God to not follow other people and what they do and good Christians do that may take you away from the absolute commitment of the word or apathy, meaning a lack of interest. You know, a lack of interest. I mean, lack of lack. I mean, can you imagine the rule of the universe having to beg for your attention? How does he get your attention? We all know how he gets your attention, often by just stepping back and letting the enemy have a good whack at you. And if he stepped back once in your life to let the enemy get a good whack at you and gave you a second chance, you ought to be standing straight up and say, I don't ever want to have to go through that again by the grace of God. I'm going to do it right this time. Somebody say amen. amen. How true is it? How many chances, apathy, or a lack of passion, meaning a loss of zeal? Well, the church, I don't like the preacher anymore. Well, this is the best you got right here. I am it right now. That's it. Straight ahead. I'll sleep tonight with a pitiful hand clap like that, I promise you. <laughs> As a result, these are life-sapping tools of the enemy. Whatever it takes, you see, we become blind, we become blind to rationale. That is to say, we, we cannot see the truth. We, we don't want to see the realistic. Let me give an example. If someone comes to, if someone is doing something and they don't want to be told the truth and believe that you will tell them the truth if they go to you, they won't go to you because they know what you're going to say. They'll stay away from you. They'll go find somebody else that's supposed to be super spiritual and ask them because they know they will agree with them or patronize them. People are dying and go to hell, and it's time that we don't dance around in the tulips that we say. We're going to tell it like it is by the grace of God. This is the way walk you in it. This is the truth. That is a lie. This is heaven, and that is hell, and we're going to do what God wants us to do. That's the church of Jesus Christ. That's it. Listen carefully. If you're a professing believer, your life is not your own. It does not belong to you. You can't keep taking God for granted. Happy and fulfilling life, that's what we want. He says, get on the right track and stay there. If you're a lady and your husband waffles in your relationship with Jesus Christ, keep your attention and devotion to God. Keep it that way understand that we understand the power. We want happy marriage, great occupation. Here's what Peter says, 2 Peter 1 verse 4. He says, through these he has given us 
His very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature of God. John says, I've got something to say, and we have what he has to say recorded there. 1 John 2, verse 20, he says, but you belong, you belong. The Holy One anointed you, and you all know it. I haven't been writing this to tell you something you don't know, but to confirm the truth you do know. In other words, as you listen to this message today, here's what John is saying. You know what is being said is the truth, and if you know it, you ought to do it. And he said it to remind you that the truth doesn't breed lies. So who is lying here? It's the person who denies that Jesus is divine Christ. That's who. This is what makes an antichrist, denying the Father, denying the Son. No one who denies the Son has any part with the Father, but affirming the Son is an embrace of the Father as well. Stay with what you have heard from the beginning. Go back to your first love. Stay there. Build on that foundation. The original message, let it sink into your life. If what you heard from the beginning lives deeply in you, you will live deeply in both Son and Father. Son and Father. And John is saying to Peter, declaring, we, we are tempted to depart from the Scripture. We go back we go back when we are tempted to go apart from the Scripture, when we hit the ditch, when we take paths we shouldn't. He said, get back to the foundation. It was Ephesus. First time I ever saw this in my study for this message in Revelation 2, verses 3 through 5. It is the church, the Ephesian church. Here's what he said. You have persevered. I took it always. Okay, you have persevered. Hallelujah. Toodle-doo. But then when I did a little Greek study on the word have, it says you used to. You have in the past. You persevered. He says again, you did used to endure hardships. He looks again and he said, and I noticed that you used to not grow weary. But he said, that doesn't matter. Because here's what I notice up to date. Today, I have watched you and you have forsaken your first love. You have forsaken the divine call of anointing in your life. You have forsaken the passion. You have forsaken the touch. You have forsaken that which gives you a solid foundation to build on, and you've left your first love. And he said, remember where you used to be and where you have fallen now. What does he say? He says, repent. Repent. Do what you did to begin with and get back on track. That's true word. Peter is brutal. I don't expect to get a lot of texts and emails out of this. But I'll leave this pulpit today with a cloak of knowing I delivered my heart out of this word right here. He says, when you think you've lost your footing, he says, go back to the foundation. And you know what he says? You don't have to understand how God works. You don't have to qualify. You don't, you don't have to have permission. He said, you don't need agreement. 
He said, get to the foundation of the truth. The article's out in the lobby there on the table that Dr. Fisher presented. Be sure you get a copy if there are any left. If not, we'll have more. He says, have that foundation. Foundation. You see, you can have it your way. You can, you can build yourself a mansion in heaven. You can build yourself a fulfilled life on the right. You can build yourself a, a life full of joy and pleasant. You can build yourself a confident life. You can build yourself a secure life. You can have a mansion built that is unbelievable in heaven. You build yourself a shack. And you know what the Bible says? With those that, who are faithful, he said, here's what it's, the word is called explosive. The word means in the Greek explosive. When you enter into heaven's gates, the angels and all the other saints will break out in praise in an explosive way when you came through. But he says, if you dilly-dally around, I don't know where that word came from. I'm assuming right from heaven. You dilly-dally around. You're not going to be proud that you barely made it in. Why, when there was so much you could have experienced. I'm to point two now. You don't have to fall. You, you don't have to have a haphazard, half-lived life. And that kind of life is not impressive to anybody. No, it's not. 2 Peter 1, verse 10, Therefore, my brothers, be all the more eager, eager, be eager to make your calling and election sure. He said, for if you do these things, he says what? You will never fall. How many has ever fallen? May I see your hand? We all have fallen. Falling's not fun. They tell me the older you get, the harder you fall. That's what I've been told. I fell once here. It's on camera, unfortunately. It's the night that we poured water on everybody's head. But I practiced in a six-inch pond, and somebody put an eight-inch pond up there. So it wasn't my fault. Here's what he says. Peter shares the truth and said, you have that foundation for life. You build on that and you'll have a happy life. In other words, what he's trying to say, don't expect anything but misery. Don't expect anything but conviction. Don't expect anything but guilt. Don't expect anything but misery when God chose you and anointed you and you are not living the anointed life. He says, don't let it be a surprise to you when nothing begins to make sense. And in the quietness of your own heart, you know, I have drifted so far off. We've all been there. Because it takes discipline to stay on track. It takes discipline not to slap somebody when you want to. It takes discipline not to unload a bunch of vulgar language when the old nature didn't care what it said and it wants to mm, takes discipline to say no that's I want to I want to follow Jesus 2 Peter 1 and 9 says but if anyone does not have what I'm going to share with you building blocks here in a moment 
right out of, out of Peter. He said, if anyone does not have them, he is nearsighted. He's blind. He cannot see far off and has forgotten that he has been cleansed from his past sins. So if you find yourself out of step with God, he said, it's your fault. It's not your environment. It's not the culture. Man up. Own it. Here's what he says. My foundation, the foundation of Jesus Christ, you will stand for him. You will. So here, here he goes. Here he goes. He said, the blocks. So I'm going to go run them really, really quick. Here we go. They, they, they will keep us and protect us from evil and hurtful desires. Number one is faith. Faith is substance thing for, uh, hope for and the evidence of things not seen. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 3, For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. We build on the foundation. Jesus Christ first, Jesus Christ second. Jesus Christ is the Lord of lords. Jesus Christ is my redeemer. Jesus Christ is the crucified one. Jesus Christ is my soon coming king. I want to build my relationship upon the Lord Jesus Christ. That's it. It's my faith. Number two, virtue or goodness. In other words, we have to work at maintaining good morals and morality. Therefore, rid yourself of all malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. He said, build on that block. Build on that block. Now, I'm, I'm not out to hurt any of you because I don't know what you do, but here's what I do know. You can't live together and expect God's favor and to be pleasing to the Lord. It's wrong. But be careful you don't point your old nasty finger when you click on send on the pornography. And don't point your old rude finger when you got so much bitterness toward family members it drives you nuts when you see them. I think you got the idea. How many think you do? Just, amen. We've all sinned and come short of. You know what? Is, is it a Greek term? The expectations. The expectations of God. So part of your life is knowledge. He said, here's another, to know the truth by experience or information. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. Temperance. Here's another bill, temperance, to enjoy moderation, especially in passion. It, it was Daniel. Would not allow the enemy to defile himself with the royal food and the wine. He asked the chief official for permission. I don't want to defile myself. I'm not going to eat your food. I know that that's what we eat here. I understand that, but I'm not going to eat that. Now, you know what? If he'd have been in the culture today, he just said, hey, God, if you didn't want me to eat, you never would have put me here. And I know I'm not supposed to eat it, but my Lord, have mercy, I'm going to eat that cheeseburger anyway. Here's another temperance. Romans 6.12, therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. You, you got a sinful habit? A sinful habit? Nobody needs to tell you it's sinful. The Holy Spirit tells you. 
Here's another, patience. Oh, my Lord, did I say patience. Self-control. In other words, bearing pain or trials without complaint. You know what? When we see that word patient, a little word study, we think it means if I'm standing at the post office and the line is long and I stand there and I thought, God, I tell you what, I cannot. That, that, sure, that's, you know, you learn patience. But here's what he said. When you do the word study on that, here's what he said. When you're faced, here's what I mean. When you face your worst trial and you don't have permission to get out of it, you endure it with joy. It's not only endure it, but you do it with joy. Here's another godliness, godlikeness teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and live a self controlled, upright, godly life. Here's another brotherly kindness. A tender affection toward our fellow Christian. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. This is my swan story. The swan out there, the daddy swan, he thinks my vehicle, my white vehicle is a monster swan. It's white. I can come from any direction. And the minute he hears the glass packs, his head goes up. He goes and he looks, and then he goes to swimming in my direction. If I'm on the south side and he's on the north side, he starts coming. It is amazing to me. Mama swan and the baby swans don't even have to be near. He just knows I'm coming after you. And I'm saying, give me your best shot. He'll come, and I'll let him get almost to me on the shore. And I'll whip around and come on the north side. He'll flip around. I've been beside him in the pond, and I'll go up. He'll go up. I'll put it in reverse and go back, and he'll turn around and go in that direction. But you can't make up your mind where you want to go. He will fly after me. Now, do I think he hates me? <laughs> in a swan kind of way. But what is he really doing? It is in his nature to protect anything he considers a threat to his lady and to his children. And he will do whatever because, you see, swans mate for life. Swans mate for life. Whatever it takes, brotherly kindness. So you know what he's saying? How devoted are you to your brother? Will you stand in the gap? We say to people like Grant, the Marine Corps, thank you for your service. Somebody said that to him the other day, thank you for your service. You want to say, well, what does that mean? Thank you for your service. Thank you that you do 50 push-ups. Thank you that you run 12 miles. Thank you for your service. It means more than that. What it means is, if push comes to shove and a war starts, thank you for being on the front line. Thank you for giving the bullets back that you might be shot. Thank you for putting your life on the line so that my freedom, my freedom in Lakeland, Florida can be preserved. Thank you for your service. That's what it means. And you know what? You know what? 
You know what Peter is saying? Hey, the son of the living God is saying to the church today, thank you for your service. Thank you for putting yourself on the front line. Thank you for living the kind of life that gives glory and honor to me. Thank you for making the kind of sacrifice that people who thought they were going to hell don't have to go to hell because you stepped in their way and you told them there's a better way and that name is Jesus Christ. Not a better law, not another church, but in the person of Almighty God, His name is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And he said, here's another building. It is charity and love. You know, some of the simple things are the things that are most appreciated and loved. Did you know that? Love the simple things. Love is charity and love. Love is simple commitment of staying attached. And here's what Peter says. If you listen to that right there, he said in 2 Peter 1.8, for if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, what did he just say? You start out you start out understanding those things, but if you're living and standing on the right foundation, he said, you will grow in strength, increasing measure, that you'll have more of God tomorrow, next week, next year, than you have today. And they will keep you from being effective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Janet wrestles right there. Raise your hand, Janet. Fought cancer back. Could not eat. Lost I don't know how much weight. But if you see her on Facebook and barely times struggles to get here. Not because she feels good. But she's saying, I know the only foundation I have is not Moffat. It is Jesus Christ who is the healer that any time can heal me. Amen. Come on, put your hands together and let's give Jehovah God a clap offering. You possess that increasing measure will be yours. 2 Peter 1, 9, but if anyone does not, does not have them, you just say, hey, you know, forget it. He is nearsighted and blind. In other words, he will not see the danger of the rapture. He will not see the danger of hellfire. He will not see the danger of judgment. He can't see that far, for he has forgotten, used to know it. You can't forget it if you never knew it. You've forgotten that he has been cleansed from his past sins, never giving up. Here it is. I will accomplish my goal. Say that with me. I will accomplish my goal. How many of you have ever started a diet and failed? Go ahead. Sorry to get it up. How many of you have, in fact, lost more pounds than you could ever imagine? Man, I have. I've lost thousands I don't know about you. This is a personal confession to, a confession to the camera. I do real good Monday. I do real good Tuesday. I do pretty good Wednesday. I'm hanging by a thread Thursday. <laughs> I'm slipping on the thread Friday morning and Friday lunch. But Friday night rolls around. I said, God, I'm going to need a parachute here. Because <laughs> I feel I'm losing the grip. I struggle. 
I'm losing the grip. So God, I, I don't want French fries. I don't. I'll substitute sweet potato fries. They're not as bad. <laughs> How many know what I'm talking about? Sure, you know what I'm talking about. I, I could give you a great message a whole lot here. But you won't notice that I have lost weight. Somebody say amen. amen. Why did you say amen? You haven't noticed? <laughs> if, I, if I was Coach Bearfield, six foot four with a 36 waist, I could do, I'd be dangerous. Let me move on. I will accomplish my goal. 2 Peter 1.10. Therefore, my brothers, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never fall. We saw that. And you will receive a rich, a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You remember what I mentioned a while ago? An explosive welcome. That's what it means. Each of us in this room, we enjoy the beauty of meeting our goals. We like to be successful we like to celebrate our wins. We appreciate being victorious. We all want to be happy. I want to be happy. You know, you want a fulfilling life. You got to make your own fun. I told somebody that this morning. You just got to make your own fun. You know, you got to realize not everybody likes you. That's okay. So, and not everybody can be perfect. You got to understand, hey, but you know what? Here's one thing I do know. I know where I'm standing Amen? And if the whole world crumbles in and nobody likes me and everybody's throwing dots at me, here's what I know. If I die, I'm going to die right there on that foundation. Amen? And I know when I die, the next breath I'm going to breathe, I'm going to float right on into heaven. And buddy, I'm going where they really like me there. Amen? Understand that. The fulfilling life. We want a happy home. We want a happy home. We want our children to be positive and happy and not be sassy. If your kid is 16 and sassing you, it's because you missed something when they were six. And if they're 16 and they get away with it, don't complain. Whew, let me move on. That one just went right there and went, <laughs> we want to live a good Christian life. And it happened. And when we feel distracted, you feel, you just go to the foundation. I flip on my Christian music. Some of the Christian music today, I don't get. But I got Be Bopaluba. <laughs> Be my baby, I got that. But that which I do get, I based in it. Amen. I enjoy it. Enjoy living for Jesus. So here's what Peter says. When you make that entrance into heaven, sure, you hear God say, well done. Your family call you blessed. Lost people will miss hell because of you. And you say, it's Peter. There's only one thing I know. Jesus Christ. And I'm crucified. Amen. Amen. He's the first and he's the last. And he's the baloney in between. Amen? Everything you need is in Jesus. Amen. Would you stand? Let's give up the Lord a clap offering. There you go. That's pitiful. It's going to get better, though. I'm listening. <clears throat> I 
Look this way. If the Holy Spirit is convicting you, it's because Jesus loves you. And here's what I know. Everybody in the house ought to be convicted. Because little yard talk, ain't none of us perfect. None of us. Just turn to your neighbor. It'll make you feel better and say, you ain't perfect. Let's go ahead. I don't care if you're newlywed or not. Go ahead and tell him. You might think he is for a while, but it'll pass. You're not perfect. Nobody's perfect. So you know what? That, that makes us all feel like we're on the same level, doesn't it? We all need grace. I need grace. Say it with me. I need grace. I need mercy. I said, I need mercy. I said, I need forgiveness. I need forgiveness. I need an anointing. I said, I need an anointing. All of us, that's what we need. So here's what happens today on this message. On the face, the needle. I talk about that. Hopefully that needle moves a little bit. But it won't move without your willful action. you got to give the needle permission to move. In other words, I heard the message, I received the message, and I do something about the message. I don't care, I don't, I don't care what kind of seed you have in your, in your garden shop. A seed is a seed is a seed. And you look at it and say, bless God, that is a seed. Hallelujah. Watermelon seed. But it, it, it ain't no good until you exercise a little work. You know, dig a little hole, throw it in there, and then nurture it. I see that yawn over there. Then nurture it. And you know what you're going to have? You're going to have a watermelon. And that's why God says, I want to be, I want to be your excitement. I want to be your pleasure. I want to be your Lord. I want to be your confidence. I want to be your security. I don't want you to have to have a sleepless night. I don't want you to worry. I got everything under control. I got you up here. The devil can't reach and get you as long as you lean on me. Amen? So I'm going to ask you to repeat this prayer after me. Just look this way. Let's say it together. Dear Jesus, I am sorry. I have failed. I'm going to start the prayer over. Some of you are not doing it. So I'm going to try it again. Dear Jesus, I'm sorry. I have failed. And I need forgiveness. Look into my heart and redeem me from unrighteousness. Today in your presence, I give you my all. I'm holding nothing back. And I'm desiring to grow in your love. So take my hand. I will follow according to your will. In Jesus' name, amen. Ain't God good? Amen. If you have... You prayed that prayer... And you got something that's a bear in you. It's a Goliath that, that the Holy Spirit needs to slay. Won't you bring that down in your heart? God's forgiven you, but the devil's trying to lie to you right now. He doesn't know he's dead. So why did David? David hit him in the head. 
He hit him in the head with a spear, right? A rock, did you say? Okay. Let's see what the Bible says. Said a stone. Hit him in the head with a stone. You know why? Because a stone's harder than a rock. Did you know that? <laughs> but why did he cut his head off? See, part of, the, part of the deal was the city people never knew that you conquered a king unless you brought the head back. But there's another reason Goliath had his head cut off. Because the head being taken off solidified absolute victory. And David did not take the credit. He said, this head belongs to Jehovah. So you hit him with a stone and take the head off. So you come down. And if you've got family members that are lost, let me just say this to you. If your family member is not producing fruit, I'm not talking they're a good person, they'll give his shirt off their back, and they're sweet, and they work hard, and they do, uh-uh-uh-uh. I said to you earlier, true change in Jesus means behavior and commitment and fruit. That includes church, that includes devotion, that includes witness, it includes all of those things. And if you don't see any of that, you're believing a lie, and that's what the devil wants you to believe, because as long as you believe that lie, you will never go out of your way to really sit down and seriously talk to them about their salvation. That's the most eternal thing in the world. So whatever God needs to do for you, would you simply come forward right now, and then we're going to give the benediction. Stay with me. I'll be one more minute or two. Here we go. Jesus, wonderful.